Hey, you're listening to Chew On That. Here's what we're chewing on today. Just joining us, we've just spent the past two months in a series that's looking at the book of Ephesians and it's focusing on identity. We've been exploring this idea that our culture is in an identity crisis and that we'll never know who we are until we know whose we are. And there are really only two teams in the game of life. There's Team Jesus and there's Team Satan. And so we started out this series with a question. Are you in Adam or are you in Christ? And your affiliation will always determine your identity. And so we spent the past two months talking about a number of different identifiers. We've said in Adam we're lost, but in Christ we're found. In Adam we're sinners, but in Christ we're saints. In Adam we're cursed, but in Christ we're blessed. In Adam we're condemned, but in Christ we're saved. And so I wanna continue this conversation today with a tough one. In Christ I am afflicted. Hey, hi, welcome to Chew On That. My name is Scott Eastman. I'm your host today. I'm the uh, pastor at Unchurched Green Bay downtown. And, uh, and so joining me today is my very good friend, Pastor Barry Edgman. Say hi, Barry. Hey, buddy. Hey, What's glad happening? that you're here today. Yeah, it's been a minute. Yeah, it has been a minute. Yeah. It really has. Barry's busy on his phone right now. I think he's doing uh, research on our topic today, but he could just be checking his Facebook. Either I was, way. I was actually checking Bitcoin. Oh, are you really? No, not really. Oh, yeah, because I don't know anything about Bitcoin at all. Yeah, yeah. I walked into the bank and I asked for $20 worth of Bitcoin and then they kicked me out. So anyway, today we're going to talk about um, Sean's message on I am afflicted. And boy, that was a powerful message on Sunday in a meeting that we, you and I both had with Sean um, yesterday. He was talking about that message and how most of what came out between the talk about end times and the talk about things that are happening in his own mm -hmm. family that, mm -hmm. that he wasn't planning on talking about mm -hmm. any of that. Mm -hmm. You know, but it all just kind of came out, and I—that's one of the things I've come to loan. Uh, to I've come to I've, I've grown to appreciate and respect about Sean. Yeah, is like his transparency in yeah. that, and like always ready just to be open and you know not trying to hide anything. And I I love that about him. Yeah, yep, true. One of the things that about this affliction thing, when Sean was talking, I I was thinking about in a couple of spots of the message about how. Um, how I had have experienced affliction in my own life. Mm. Like, and I read in preparation for this morning, I read uh, the different ways we can be afflicted. Like we can be afflicted because we've made a bad decision. We can be afflicted because we live in a sin cursed world. We can be afflicted because we have a genetic disposition to be sick. Right. We can be afflicted because of the way that someone in our life spoke to us and over us, we could be afflicted just because we were involved in a circumstance that we had no control over. Yeah. So there's lots of ways to be afflicted. And then one of the biggest ones was being afflicted by God. God afflicts us sometimes. Yeah. And yeah. I thought about that and read a little bit about it. And just all these, all these different ways of being afflicted and how it, it has to be a part of our life. Yeah. That's the part I, I, I didn't like. It has to be a part. Yeah, that's it. In fact, that, like that might be one of our first or two sound bites. So before you spill your guts on that, let's... Let's not. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's jump into that first sound bite. I am afflicted. This, uh, it's not one a lot of believers want to talk about, and it's definitely not one that a lot of pastors want to talk about because somewhere, somehow, it's been determined that 
affliction or suffering are a sign of being in sin or out of God's will. Uh, but that's not always necessarily the case. Sometimes suffering is right in the center of God's plan and path for our lives. Yeah, I mean, that's what you just said. <laughs> you just said that. You know, I'd, I'd forgotten that, that piece about it. Um, when you think about affliction, you can get very distracted and very, very off-tracked. Like, for yeah. me, to be clear and transparent, we had a discussion prior to our meeting today about, mm -hmm. about this time of year for me. Yeah. Like, there are things that I have to do in this time of year to stay on track. Now, that affliction, what wherever it came from, a di genetic disposition, or whatever, I just have to be careful and watch myself about being depressed. Yeah. But as I've, as I've identified it, like Pastor said, and we look at it and we accept it, we have to, we have to not live in it, but learn from it. Yeah. Right. Yep. Does that make sure. sense? Yeah. I, you know, I love that. I love the fact that you, that you refer to these turmoils or these afflictions as distractions, mm -hmm. because I, I feel like that's, that's what they are. But too many of us don't treat them as distractions. We treat them as a change of course. So when something happens to us, we figure this is a whole new course in our lives. Like mm -hmm. this affliction, this is everything now. And so then we start following that affliction. Like a, like I think about um, in uh, Nemo, finding Nemo, mm -hmm. there was um, the uh, Dory and the dad. I don't remember the dad's name. Anyway, it's not important. Are like trying to find Nemo and they're going super down deep, far, far deep in the ocean. It's so dark. And then like this light shows up, right? And she's like, oh my gosh, this light's so beautiful. I love this light. I want to be friends with this light. Mm -hmm. This light is everything. And she's following yeah. this light. And then like, and then if we find out that it's this big, scary sea monster with a light on top of its head. And then, and I think that we do that in our lives where we get caught up in our turmoil. We get caught up in our affliction. Or we get caught up as the, in the distractions of these failures or these disappointments or these setbacks that we let them, like you said, get us off track, that they become the track. Mm -hmm. We're not just like not on track. We, we like build a new track in this whole other direction. Yeah. And we treat our affliction that way. And certainly I'm not trying to be dismissive of big affliction. Like no. I know there's big affliction no, yeah. in our lives there that, is, that do determine sure. our, but like there's for still sure. this track that we're supposed to be on. Yeah. And so there still can be affliction and stay on track at the same time, but that's a struggle for us Christians. Yeah. You know, one of the things that you said about that is is it it becomes a, a pathway to to something. Um, I heard Matthew McConaughey say in a speech that we never reach a destination; we just are on this constant journey. Mm. And one of the things about that uh, has always inspired me is that if we know we're on a journey, we know that what's happening to us right now is just a passing. It's a passing thing in our lives. It is not a destination or a death sentence. Yeah. It's a, we're passing through. Right. In order for me to get to Madison, which is a town that I like a lot yeah. to visit, I don't yeah. think I'd ever want to live yeah. there, but in order to get to so Madison, like Milwaukee. Yeah. 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 I could see that. Yeah. Um, I got to pass through two towns. One, I got to pass through Kakana, which smells like absolute garbage because of yeah. the paper sludge. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I got to pass through that no matter what. Yeah. And it's not pleasant. And then I got to pass through Roseville which is like the speed trap capital of the world, like yeah. where everyone gets busted. I got to pass through those places to get to where I'm going. Yeah. Right. Or it's just part of my journey. And so like not every place is like driving through the festival of lights with your car and it's all Christmas mm -hmm. lights and Christmas carols and candy canes. Sometimes you can't go through the gumdrop forest. Pastors, pastor said just that very thing. He said, 
in different conversations about affliction, he has said that if 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 all we're seeing is the light show and the gumdrops in the the happy right. place and McDonald's drive through and all that kind of stuff, then you something's wrong. You if you if you're not experiencing affliction, then then the enemy's not, you know, he's not really after you. Yeah. Like like, but there are other. Here's the thing. If we're always seeking the light show and the gumdrops. And then when we do experience affliction, we do experience a ticket in Roseville. It's just it's just part of the game. Yeah. And it's not will we, it's when we, how will we? Yeah. Like how will we go through this? A lot of a lot of the people that I talk to feel like when when they're going through this thing, it it has become a defining uh not a tenuous definition, but an it's a finality like you're going to be this way for the rest of your life and you're going to struggle and you're going to be afflicted and sick yeah, and yeah. Hey, but it's not it can be if you if you pull off the road and stop yeah and and pitch a tent there absolutely yeah you know you know Sean I think it was part of this uh segment of his message where he also talked about them losing a child after 18 days mm-hmm. <clears throat> and so there's some afflictions that we and we're, I don't think we're saying you should ignore your afflictions or just disregard them. Yeah, it's hard to say to embrace them because sometimes that could be really hard in a situation like Sean was talking about. Yeah, but there's like this this road that, in hindsight, I could see where I, when I'm in affliction, one of the things that I have hope in is like I can't wait to see how God gets me out of this. And in the middle of it, if I'm losing a kid or if, you know, somebody, it's hard to even think about that. It's hard to tell your friend, oh, just imagine how God's going to get you through this. It's a lousy thing to say. Don't say that, mm-hmm. right? Like be there and bear their burdens with them and cry with them and mm-hmm. whatever. But I'm just saying like for me, when I when I find myself in affliction or a, a Job week, you know what I mean? Like the week just seems like it's, everything's coming up against me and it's I'm never going to get out, which is how I allow myself to think sometimes when it's like that, I need to allow myself to think instead. I can't wait to see how God gets me out of this. Mm-hmm. And if I'm operating in his will, like we and I talked about in the pre-show, or if I'm, if I'm, I'm sure that I'm living according to his word and according to his heart and feel a peace about how I'm working in my gut, then God's going to get me out of it. Mm. Like I'm going to have to go through this and it doesn't mean it's not going to suck, but at some point God's going to get me out of yeah. it. Yeah. It's good. Really good. And I say that not only because I have a sense that the days that we live in are evil and that the path of righteousness is costly. I I would struggle to say that we are the most suffering generation. I'm sure every generation has thought that. I'm sure that every generation has thought, every generation of believer, let's say, I'm sure has thought that they were the generation that was going to see Christ. If you believe in a holy rapture, which I do, where, where Jesus will, the Bible says, split the eastern sky and come and collect his church back, there, there's a level of suffering that must happen before that happens. This is a popular topic in Christian circles. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I feel like it's especially popular in circles of of maybe this is just me, but like in fresh Christianity, like when you're, when it, when it's, when the walk is fresh, like you want to know how the story's going to end, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> I have to confess that I've not spent a lot of time on 
what do you call, Sean called eschatology, 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 eschatology. I've not spent a lot of time on this. Yeah. Like, I feel like it doesn't do me any good. I'm not, I don't know when it's coming. Maybe it comes in my lifetime. A lot of things point that it's coming in my lifetime, but then maybe not. And I'm like, I've got so much work to do here right now. Right. That like, what do I care? What do I care? Right. You know? And so you, you get together with a bunch of Christians and there's bound to be someone that says, you know, you can't take this because it's the mark of the beast and you can't do that because yeah. it's the new world order and you yeah. can't do this. And I'm like, bro, like there's people in our neighborhood right now that don't have enough to eat. Right. Let's just take care of that for right, right now. Right. You know? Right. Um, cart before the horse. I mean, we've talked yeah. about that before, but um, he, here's, you know, here's the thing about eschatology. You can get lost in it just like you can in any other theological discussion or discourse or whatever. And it's confusing to people. In in uh, college, I was I was taught your your pre trib, which we believed, which I don't believe we are. Mm. Um, pre trib, mid trib, post trib. Actually, I'm pan trib, and pan trib means I'm not sure it really matters because it's all going to pan out in the end. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but here's what in eschatology. Here's how I cope with understanding. Like, you guys can fight and fuss, and I love all the research you've done, and I've re- all the arguments that you've made, although some of them are selfish because you just don't want to suffer. Yeah. You don't want to be afflicted, bro. All the disciples were put to death, yeah. except one. Right. Who died a natural death, John. We need to know that there's going to be affliction in this life we live. Jesus said they hated me, and if I'm in you, they're going to hate you. Yep. Now, that's not where we want to off-road at. What I do want to talk about with the eschatology thing is that there's one phrase that's mentioned over and over and over again, and it's not the rapture. It's it, Actually, the word rapture is not even in the Bible. It's, it's catching away is what word means and there's no english word for that other than rapture so i focus when i look at eschatology i focus on the blessed hope the lord jesus christ because it doesn't matter where what who how i know that in the end of this situation in my life and and one of the reasons eschatology is so interesting to me is that it talks about how's it going to end up just exactly what you said what's how's it going to end so when we're in this affliction piece we're always looking at hmm, when is this going to be over when is it going to end yeah. when is this going to stop why, why isn't god here's the focus in affliction self-induced or not the blessed hope the lord jesus christ yeah that's it you know, the scripture is clear about saying how that the, our troubles, right, our afflictions may last through the night, but joy comes in the morning. Yep. And so, like, I feel like I lean into that. Like, I, and like any, I, I mean, I've never lost a child, mm. you know. There's I, no, no, I can't no way to describe, huh? No. And so, but I know that I've, I mean, I've suffered, you know, like I, and every time that I've suffered, he's got me through. Mm-hmm. And I, as, as someone who knows me, I'll be able to correct me, but I feel like every time I've gotten through, I've landed at a place 
more blessed, more joyful, and with more hope than where I started. And so, you know, when I think about the, these end times and how the fact that I, I'm counting on the fact that if it happens when I'm around, I'm going to suffer. I'm going to, I'm going to like not be able to shop at the store or I'm mm. going to be persecuted or I'm going to be hunted and killed. Right. Mm -hmm. And the thing that's scary about all that is this idea that I'm going to suffer, that I'm going to, mm -hmm. it's going to hurt. No one wants it to hurt. Like no one, when they die, they want, I wish I could just pass in my sleep. Like mm -hmm. I don't even know what happened. Right. Mm -hmm. And so like, I know that that's true, but there's something in me, this like little like pilot light that, that, I mean, while it's not a full flame feels like, yeah, I'm, I know I'm going to suffer, but I know that I, I will, I feel like I'm going to suffer joyfully. Mm -hmm. you, know, you hear about these tales of the martyrs, like, was a DC talk and Jesus freak back in the yeah. day had that book so talking good. about all the way that people died, you the know? Martyrs, yeah. yeah. And so like, I feel like that's, I don't know that I'll be singing. If they, if they burn me at the stake, I'm really worried about that. Like, I yeah. hope that that's not a thing, yeah. but like, but like how, like these martyrs would sing through that. Right. And mm -hmm. that like, I feel like that's in me. Mm -hmm. Like that's in me. Cause I'm like, I'm in the home stretch now, you guys, like I get to go home here in a second. And so, yeah. I don't know. Maybe this is stupid. Maybe this is a, a, the wrong thing to say. But like uh, when there was so much divisiveness after 9-11 and in those years with us and um, the Taliban and everything else, and there was this this way that the that Islamic, Islamic extremists would take homes where they knew that Christ followers were, like they painted mm -hmm. this symbol on yeah, the I thing. know where you're going. I love this. And so like... Like I made, I, I made that part of my Twitter handle. Like mm -hmm. I made that little symbol. Mm -hmm. Cause like, I'm like, I'm right here. You guys, <laughs> you mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like I'm right here. Yeah. And so like, I don't, so I don't know that it seems like such a small thing. What are the chances that an Islamic rebel will find me and on Twitter and then try to hunt me down? Probably little mm -hmm. to none. Mm -hmm. I know, but I didn't even think about that. I just knew that like, I'm not ashamed to say that I belong to Jesus of Nazareth. Like I belong yeah. to him. Yeah. And so if that means that you want to kill me, come get me. Yeah. Right. And yeah, yeah I'll, I mean, I'm probably going to fight for my faith and for my life, certainly yeah. for my family, Yeah, you know, but I mean, if they said, well, we're either going to kill you or your family, I'm take me, bro. Yeah. Take, you know, or I'm going to, I don't know. I just feel like that's all part of the same thing. And maybe that's like big thinking on my part. Maybe I'm, I don't know, being Pollyanna about this. I just, I feel like when it comes to suffering at the end, that's going to be a joyous thing for me. Here, here's the, here's the truth about, about what you just said. Affliction on on this side of heaven is preparatory for heaven. Mm. And if we try to avoid affliction, we only intensify affliction. We multiply affliction. Yeah. Because our mindset about affliction is I will do everything in my power to avoid this. Now, I'm not saying go out and, and welcome affliction. I'm not. Every day has enough evil of its own, yes. Jesus says. So you don't have to worry about that. What you do need to be concerned with is this, this faith piece, this mindset, this whatever may come, I will live through it. And I will do it. I will do so because of the blessed hope. Yes. I will do so because even though I'm battered and beaten and hurt and wounded and I don't see I don't see daylight for tomorrow or I may be down and depressed and in a dark hole or I may be ill to 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 the point of death there is that flicker in me 
It says, as long as this is flickering, it's not over. Yeah. It's just not over. And the path of righteousness is costly. But that's not the only reason why I think that we need to prepare ourselves for suffering. It's because the Bible promises that God's people will suffer. This isn't a message that people want to hear. People want to come to church and they want to hear, you know, God's good, God's great, the blessings for this food. Like, it's like we, and it's great. There are messages that have to be like that, that there are also messages that have to be like a clarion call, like an alarm that wakes you up in the morning. Like, I hate the alarm. Like, the, man, I have to put my alarm across the room because I want to smash my alarm when it goes off in the morning because it jolts you and it shocks you. But there are times in our lives when we're in a season of suffering. Pastor Barry, do you think that we're in one of the more difficult times in history or do you think we just know more about it because it's a smaller world because of media and everything else? Or do you think like there's like a palpable sense of there's just so much more evil and less love in the world today than maybe ever, certainly ever in our lifetime. Here, I, I think both. I think that with wisdom and knowledge and understanding comes insight and foresight. And we can see things differently. Like Paul said, when you were a kid, you saw things like a kid, but now yeah, you see things differently because of your experience, because of where you've been and where you've come from, what you've done, how you've not what you've not done and I, I believe that that and I've heard this since I was a kid I actually as a kid I was afraid some nights going to bed I was afraid that Jesus was going to come and I wouldn't be taken mm. I, I was deathly afraid so I've always had that that it that thing but as I grew older, I, I, re, I realized, wait a minute, <laughs> wait, regardless of what comes, you are with me. Yeah. You said, and when people say to me, but you said, yep. but, but you said, and, and when, when we get to that place, viewing what's happening in, in the world, in our lives, we can go back to what Jesus said. And he said, I'll, I'll never leave you. Yep. I'll never forsake you. My spirit is with you, in you. All right. When you begin to walk in that, it's like, all right, here we go. Yeah. Here it comes. Let's go. But to the evil point, I wondered a few years back, would, especially with kids in the house, I wondered, will, will, will I see Jesus return? I live my life as though I will. Like the imminent return of the Lord Jesus Christ is a doctrine that we believe here at Life Church, which means that at any moment, at any moment, he could return and all of the all of the the stuff he's designed to happen after that's gonna begin to rain down like fire. Yeah. When we begin to walk like that and talk and think. The imminent, and this is eschatology here we're talking about. Pastor Sean talked about the blessed hope, the imminent return of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
We have to live our lives. All right, this momentary affliction, Paul says. Jesus says you are going to suffer in this world. But before he said you're going to suffer, he said, but I will give you peace. I have given you peace, but you're going to suffer in this world. But I've overcome the world, so don't worry about it. So when we begin to live that way, back to your initial point of we can't park here, we can't live here, we can't get distracted here. We keep our eyes on what God has called us to do and to move toward that and to live in that. And I will tell you, the deeper you go with God and the deeper you grow with God, afflictions will come. But, But Paul says, but these momentary afflictions meaning they're not lifetime. They're not a life sentence. They're not, they're not, these afflictions will not identify you unless you allow them to identify you. Right. You know, in the Gospel of John, Jesus talks about how the fields are ready for harvest. And so, come on, somebody. I just feel like if if that's the case, you know, you're not worrying about like, if our fields are ready for harvest, I'm not worrying about if the combine's going to work. I'm not worrying about like are the oxen fed, or I'm not mm-hmm. worried about all those like fine details. I need to get to work because the the field is ready for harvest. the 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 grain is ready, and so like I'm not going to worry how it gets done or what it looks like or at what time. I just know that I need to go get to work. Mm-hmm. I need to go start mm-hmm. reaping this harvest, and what that looks like is evangelizing. However, you were built. Not all of us were made, you know, you know, like the like the famous Arnie Jacobson to like, you know, sit on an airplane with someone and bring someone to Jesus Christ. Now everyone was made to do that. That's a rare thing. Right. Some of us are married to evangelize by loving others or by serving others, by caring for others or being an example in our workplace and in our homes and in our neighborhoods. That's the harvest. You got to get to work doing. Yeah. You need to understand how you're supposed to be evangelizing and how you were made to evangelize. mm, Where's our heart for me today? Yeah. how we're supposed to evangelize and then get out there and get the work done. Yeah. Like if he comes and he comes in, you know, like a thief in the night and two people are working in the field and one gets taken, right? Like that's, I mean, all right, let's go. Let's go and let's get to work. You know, you said something interesting about, about that whole thing. Um, if you're, if you're supposed to be the guy throwing the seed, it's not your job to take care of the ox. Come on. If, if, if you're the guy that's supposed to be taking care of the ox, your eyes are not on the field. It's on the ox, feeding the ox, making the ox healthy. If if you're the mechanic who works on the combine, your job is not the you're yeah, not just supposed to be throwing better. seed. Here, uh, this whole thing of affliction, I believe in my life as I look back, affliction comes to grow us and make us healthy, and it fine tunes and corrects us. There, affliction is seasonal. Yes, it's not lifelong. I know people in my life and some of the physical things that I've experienced, I know people who who identify themselves by that sickness and that disease. They they say, I am this. Living in affliction is not what what God desires. Now, if you're one of those people who have have an ailment or a sickness, that is is one of those things that uh, that you have to live with. That doesn't mean, and and I'm surely not saying that you believe that you have to be that. But when you begin to identify and find glory in affliction, like 
woe is me, look at me. Yeah. That's not that's not the purpose of affliction. The purpose of affliction is to help us grow and to fine tune. Like Pastor said, all the things that he was afflicted with, especially I'll never forget the story about the vanilla milkshake and the sunburn. Like, how can yeah. you forget that story? Yeah. Like, like first off, <laughs> <laughs> let's not get down that rabbit hole. Right. However, that story of affliction with him was momentary and temporary, but it helped break the ice with hundreds of kids, thousands of kids, actually, yes. I know, yep. that that identified them with Pastor Sean, and he preached the gospel and broke. So sometimes, like Pastor said, and it's probably going to be in one of these other clips, the affliction we go through is not, it's not about you, bro. Right. <laughs> like right. Rick Ward says. Right. It's not about you. Right. Yeah, that's good. And 18 days after she was born, I I held her in my arms. I watched her struggle, take her last breath, and I watched her die. And in the moment she wasn't born healthy, everything that was deep within me was pulled to the surface. My true thoughts, attitudes, and assumptions bubbled out of my mouth. I looked at Pastor Sonny and I literally cursed God. I said, and I quote, F God. But I didn't say, like I said, that's the four letter, not the three letter version of it. I said, he's not even real. Everything I've been preaching is a lie. I've given my whole life for him. If, If he can't perform a miracle for me, this whole thing's a fraud. Now, I don't know if you've ever been there. I know that <clears throat> when my uh, high school sweetheart, whom I married, we had two beautiful children with, one day she uh, woke up and let me know that she was taking the kids and she was leaving. It wasn't after an argument. It wasn't after years of abuse. It wasn't after anything other than that she was just ready to quit. And I remember not understanding that because, I mean, although I wasn't a pastor or a youth evangelist at that time, I mean, I was super involved in ministry. You know, I was a youth leader. I was a worship leader. I was like, you know, I was in it. And like, I remember thinking, well, that doesn't happen to a guy that's given everything, Mm. right? And so I remember standing in my sister's kitchen, Mm. my sister Lori, and bless her heart, she's the sweetest thing. And I said, where's your God now? Like, like, what's he going to do about this now? You know, my kids are gone. My wife is gone. I'm alone. Like, like what's happening now? And so I know that I've, I've cursed God like Sean cursed God Mm. a number of times. And it's like, have you ever been in a place like that? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think, I think before I go to, to that, I would, I would say before I forget this thought is that hearing Sean say what he just said and knowing his life before yep. and after that, that piece with some of the other afflictions he's experienced, he and, he and Sonny. Those, those pieces have refined and defined them. Yes. Yeah. My experience was um, years ago I was, I was diagnosed with a genetic disease. And 
you know, you go through the whole process and you go to the doctors and you do everything they say. And the hope is, well, I'm doing, I'm checking these boxes. I read my Bible. I prayed this morning. I've been serving you all these days, all these years. I've done all this. And, you know, it's, it's the, the miracle, you know, thinking like a speaker, a public speaker, the miracle is this is, this is how twisted my mind was in, in affliction. This is what I mean by refinement and de- definition. I was so twisted that all I could think about was when, I, when I'm on stage and I tell this story, it's going to, it's going to emotionally excite people mm-hmm. and their faith will be encouraged. And then they can be healed. Wow. That's as twisted as you can ever be. That's twisted. Yeah. What, what God did with that was I was sitting in, in my doctor's office, nephrologist, and I'd done, I'd lost weight, my, did the blood work, did everything, ate right, you know, all that. And so he came in with the test, the blood work, and he said, okay, here's what's going on. Um, here's where you are. Here's what the blood work te- test tells us about what's happening in your body. And he said, he said, uh, we need to get you on the transplant list. And then I said, wait, 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 wait. So I've lost weight. Blood works better. Uh, went through the whole diatribe of why I should be better. Like thinking like a, like a public speaker, not as a, not as a son, a beloved son of God. Right. Right. Yeah. So he, he was just very nonchalant because that's the way he was. He was just, he just was very matter of fact, and that's why I loved him. Dr. Mark Rothman loved him in Durham, North Carolina. Mm. He was a, a Jewish doctor, straightforward. Just, I just loved him because he, there was no, no bull stuff in him. And he spun around from his computer and walked over just to finish up the examination, and he tapped me on the arm and said, listen, this is genetic. There is nothing you can ever do to change what's happening in your body right now. Your kidneys are dying and there's nothing you can do about it. And then he went on with the examination. So I was stunned, walked out of the office. And this was a real Jesus moment for me because I sat in my car. I just plopped down in the front seat and I thought, oh, why are you doing this? Why aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. God, what in the, is going on? Like I've done, I've did, I, I, and then just like God does, just, just like he does, he lets all the stuff get out of you. And then he says, I'm your father. And I have an inheritance for you not like your earthly father. And it wasn't my earthly father's fault that I had a genetic disease. It's genetic. Right. But he said, I'm your father. I am the one who passes on to you. Come on. Health and life and hope. And from that day forward, there was something that, that broke in me. And out of that breaking arose another piece of, of, you know what, I'm going to win. 
I'm going to fight. I will fight till I don't have anything left to fight, and I will beat this thing. Yeah. I was never healed miraculously. But I was healed in the way God wanted me to be healed. But number two is that God is a sugar daddy and that he's only here to do good things for us and give good gifts to us. But the truth is he is neither. He is neither a bully nor a sugar daddy. He is our father. And because of that, he teaches us and he trains us. He directs us and he disciplines us. He, he will never leave us nor forsake us. He's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And sadly, sometimes repentance requires affliction. And he's not the source of our suffering. He's the salve waiting and wanting to be spread on the source we've sustained during the seasons of suffering. He doesn't afflict us, but he will use our afflictions and redeem them for his purposes. He's always running to our afflictions. He's never running away from them. He's, he's always leaning into them. He's just waiting for you to do the same. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, they will be saved. He says, call on me in a day of trouble. I will rescue you. I mentioned yesterday, I mentioned today that yesterday you uh, and Pastor Sean had a meeting. And in that meeting, um, I was uh, I was talking um, about my history. And I talked about how I have felt like there'd been a calling on my life since I was 12 mm. uh, to go into ministry. Mm. And for mm. one reason or another, just never never shook out. Like I, my dad said I could go to Bible college um, or go to the military. But at that time, I was dating my high school sweetheart. And I'm like, I'm not going to Bible college because I'm sleeping with this girl. And it's like everything, right? And so like, I didn't go to Bible college. And then when I was in the Navy, I tried to switch rates. I tried to switch from being a yeoman to being a chaplain's assistant, thinking that would be a path mm. to ministry. Mm. But because I was on a submarine, I just couldn't make that happen. Mm. And then when I got out um, and we moved back here, it wasn't long after that that, that, that my wife had left and I spoke with the folks from Springfield about becoming an Assemblies of God minister. But because I was divorced. <laughs> I know what that answer was. Yeah. Nope. You can only be, you can only have one wife. And I thought that the Bible meant like at a time. Yeah. I didn't mean, I didn't think it meant like ever. And so couldn't make it happen there. And then I was working at a church as a marketing guy. And I said, oh my gosh, you guys, you guys need a youth pastor. I'm that guy. And they're like, no, you're not. And then I got here and you know, Pastor Sean and Pastor Sonny saw something in me that they were thought worth taking a shot at. And so I started that process. But I'm going to tell you something. You know, when he talks about this idea of how it's through our afflictions that God can make us better or God can help us fill out what we're meant to do, you know, I think about how, um, you know, I was really going through some ugly times personally. And uh, we do this thing here called Journey to Wholeness. <clears throat> and if you don't know about Journey to Wholeness, I, I recommend that you go to Journey to wholeness is that the website uh j2w.org j2w really yeah really because just jw.org no, is the jehovah's no, witnesses it's, it's uh i forgot what it is just just uh sorry it's like journey to wholeness becky alcantar yes and it pops right, up. Show right. Yeah. anyway 
And we'd been doing it for a while. And I just kept refusing it because I wasn't like tormented as a kid. I wasn't like brutalized as a kid. And so I thought it really wasn't for me. But then I realized when I started going through Journey to Wholeness that like every affliction, right? It doesn't have to be like boils that are bleeding, right? Like sometimes there's afflictions that are just things that people say to us or there's ways that we've responded to stress or, you know, assault in our lives that set the standard or set the course for how we deal with everything. And it wasn't only until I went through these troubles and then healed through them or began to heal through them through journey to wholeness that God truly fully like filled in this ministry idea. Mm -hmm. Like, yep, I was in a position. Yes, I was, you know, I was an empty bucket ready to be filled, but I had to go through this, you know, transgression. I had to go through this trauma. I had to go through this difficulty for, for me to completely empty myself out, for God to fill me up. Mm-hmm. For me to understand that I'm not who I am to the people who are around me. I'm not who I am to my wife or my dad or my kids or my friends or my pastor. That that's not doesn't matter at all. That I'm exactly, like Lauren Daigle says, who he says that I am. Right. And while I might have sang that go. song or I might have, I don't know, preached that message, I never thought it for myself. I never believed it for myself mm-hmm. until God saw that it was that everything was gone from me. So did mm-hmm. he make that happen? I don't think that he made that happen, but he sure was the salve that stuck with me through a season of sorrow, right? Like Sean just said. Mm-hmm. And like now that's everything. You know, just in our pre-show, Barry, you were talking about how like I'm different now than you'd ever experienced me. And mm-hmm. I'm just telling you right now that it's because I recognize who I am in God, and I was recognize, I recognize who I am in God through journey to wholeness and through time spent alone with God to realize that. And so if you're going through these difficult mm-hmm. times, these true mm-hmm. relations, right? Like know that that's not the end, that that's not like a new track for you, that, that God's got a place for you and you might be distracted by that, but there's a way back. There's a way back from that. Mm-hmm. And like it can be fuller and truer and richer than anything you thought it might've been. The only thing that I could say is very well said but the only thing that i could say to that is you can i can we can any of us can we 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 have to decide number one that affliction is coming number two what work will it perform in me will it will it be a death sentence or will it be a refiner and definer yeah that's it that's it that's what he does yeah that's how he does it he does it in my life welcome to the show yeah that's it that's bingo. it 100 percent bingo Anyway, listen, hey, we love that you joined us today for this episode of Chew On That. We hope you like visit us every week. And you can always go back and listen to old episodes. Maybe like find a message that strikes your chord and then like listen to the Chew On That that comes after it. We've been doing it for a couple years now and there's just a library of great content. There's always great guests like my friend, Pastor Barry, and numerous other people that will help you connect to who you are and who you are in Jesus Christ because that's worth connecting to. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you again next time. Oh,